I want to welcome everyone to our show today. Thank you all for tuning in. I am so very humbled, so very excited to have a pioneer on our show today, a living legend, Mama Amicus. I am so excited, guys, and you should be as well. This young lady has paved the way for many, many generations to come. She has paved the way for many generations to come. We call her Mama Amicus. Amicus, Njinga, Okofu, Ababio. Uh, she, I'm going to give you guys just a little information about Mama Amicus before I bring her on the show. Uh, we're going to talk about a historic diaspora. Sister, that's Sista, S-E-E-S-T-A-H, Sister Amicus, first visited Ghana in 1987 and repatriated from New York City in 1990 with her husband, Nana Okofu. Ature Kwaku. First, he's the first, uh, Ababio. And I will uh, admonish Mama Amakas to correct me on the correct pronunciation of the names uh, as I'm getting used to learning the names and the pronunciations. Uh, he was a retired New York City firefighter and Asafohin of the village of Ature. Unfortunately, her kinsman and best friend was killed by a hit and run driver in Accra on July 3rd, 2007. She is the CEO and owner of a beautiful health resort, restaurant and wellness center, including a tour service located in Ature, Elmina, conceived by her and Nana. One Africa was recognized by the Ghana Tourist Board as one of Ghana's leading guest houses and tour operation services. Additionally, Sister Amakas also created and is the curator of the One Africa Walls of Remembrance Museum, covering the factual history of continental and diaspora born Africans. She also offers consultancy services, preparation counseling, preparation for repatriation to provide guidance and information for individuals, families, and organizations seeking to return to Ghana for the purpose of residence, business, study, or tourism. One Africa is also a licensed tour service. For those of you that are just now listening and tuning in to our show, we have Mama Amicus on the show today. What I have just shared with you was just a brief, brief introductory and overview of this phenomenal phenomenon that we have on our show today. What we have covered so far is her historic history. We've talked about Mama Amaka's being an author and story writer. We've talked about her trip to Rwanda. She's going to tell you more about her personal experiences in Africa. We talked about the death of her belated husband who was killed in a tragic car accident, a hit and run. So with no further ado, I want to introduce to you all Mama Amicus. Mama, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Mama. I'm fine. Ain't no sense complaining. <laughs> it is a pleasure and an honor having you on the show, Mama. As I was explaining to our listeners that I just scratched the surface. I just scratched the surface of some of the things that you have already done. Um, I mean, from the resort to the restaurant and wellness center that you have established to the touring uh, organization company that you have established. I mean, you have done 
you have done some things, Mama. Where do we start? I've been busy. (laughs) (laughs) To say the least, I've been busy. I see. I see. So tell us how this all began. Obviously, we've got some questions um, that um, that need to be answered. But tell us, where do you want to start? Where would you like to begin with your story? Well, I kind of think the best place to begin is at the beginning. Absolutely. And, um, you know, um, I don't know. I I don't see it as being phenomenal. And um, but, you know, it's a story. Um, as you've read, I am a storyteller. I like to make people laugh. I like to make people happy. And I have a knack, which I think I've gotten from my sister, um, to be able to turn bad events or sorrowful events into joyful events and um, challenges into something that is not something that's depressing. I think one of the things about me is that I don't ever remember really being depressed. You know, I hear people talk about oh, I'm depressed and I can't sleep. For me, I could sleep on the back of a moving jackass. That's how, you know, you can have a rock concert. I mean, I was at a Michael Jackson concert with my daughter one year and um, I fell asleep and we had front front row seats. (laughs) So, you know, my daughter and Cole were really upset with me because Oh, mom, how can you fall asleep on Michael Jackson? But I did. So um, I was tired. But anyway, um, I I look at, um, and, you know, I've had my challenges. I've had my, um, you know, I've lost some important people in my life tragically. And I've had to overcome that and just continue living. So... I mean, so that's what I've done. I, I, I enjoy life. Um, I enjoy challenges. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a mad person. You know, I tend to be a little adventurous, as most of my friends know. But for me, originally, um, I'm from New York City, okay? Born, raised, educated in the rotten apple, okay? My dad used to say, If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere in the world. So I've tested that and it's true. So, I mean, originally, I mean, I was a human resource administrator for a major teaching hospital for about 14 years. And um, being the only black woman in that position, being the first black woman in that position, I I learned a lot of things, okay. Um, I have to say that the Jews taught me well in how to um, go about business. You know, I I watched things. And so um, a lot of what I learned, I learned by doing. So ultimately, I was promoted to a rather high-level position as the director of personnel, human resource administration. And so um, I did that for some years, and then I decided, you know, um, one day, you know, you think about it, I said, you know, um, with my talents and the fact that um, I'm depending on someone else to make sure that I get paid every month, but if I, you know, what's to say that one day they might wake up and decide, okay, you're fired, okay, I don't have a job. How do I take care of myself? So if I could depend on somebody else to take care of me, I certainly ought to be able to depend on me to take care of me. So make a long story short, I won't go into all the other gory details. I left that position and um, began working for myself. Um, As you know, I was married to, at the time, his name was Benjamin Robinson, and he was a retired New York City firefighter. So he and I, drove taxis. And that's what I did for years. And um, I was also a clown. 
My name is Peanut Butter, the African-American clown. Um, I don't frighten children. I don't paint my face white. Um, I educate, okay? And, um, I, and just recently, I just did recently did Peanut Butter, the um, African born in America clown in Tanzania. And um, that was... <laughs> That was interesting, especially since people had never seen a clown before. And, um, you know, people were really taken. And so I just kind of left my trademark. I gave everybody, I bought some um, spoons, not plastic. I wanted them to have something to take away. And I bought a big jar of peanut butter. And I gave everybody whip. They said, peanut butter. I said, right, have some. And I... (laughs) And I gave out peanut butter and I sang my peanut butter song. And so it was successful. And um, since some people have seen it, they're like, oh, when can we bring you to our school to do peanut butter for our children? So long story short, I spent some years traveling around because, you know, we we're in search of things. I was in search of something and not really knowing what. I did know that I no longer wanted to be in America. Um, Didn't think about Africa, one, because um, Africa was just not a positive image that had been presented. So I traveled. I mean, (laughs) I I didn't meet any other black women while I was backpacking through South America. And... um, I've met a lot of white folks, you know, people want to, what are you doing out here? I ask myself the same damn question. <laughs> what the hell are you doing out here? You know, I was in the Amazon jungle. I crossed the Peruvian desert, all kind of stuff. And I had to ask myself a few times, what, the, what are you doing out here? At that time, I was Vienna. What are you doing out here, Vienna? So my, my last visit to a South American country was Brazil. I loved Brazil. I'd stayed in Bahia for almost a year. I loved it. Okay. Because I always look for my own people wherever I travel. I want to see people that look like me. What did you love about it, about being in Brazil? I love the African flavor of seeing Africa in a positive light. The culture, the, you know, they were in Bahia, there's a a vibration that you feel. It's almost like feeling the drum beat in your heart, in your chest. I mean, I felt drums inside, in my head, in my, you know, my ears, everything. And I realized that, dang, this is where it's at. You know, I was interested, I was interviewed, not interviewed, introduced to Condomble, which is something totally, totally different, but it brought to me a sense of a more of a sense of who I was and how important I was, not only to me, but to people around me. And so I left Brazil. I came back to America, got back to America. Oh, and then I did visit England. I was in and out of England fast. Zip, zip. I I went to visit a couple of the women, Europeans, that I had backpacked with. You know, I did make some friends with some people and I visited them. But Lord, I want to stay. Oh, hell to the no. No, no, no. I spent four days and four days. I was ready. I was ready to leave because people were cold. And I was and the people I was visiting, I didn't know anybody else in, in England except my, my friends, Laura Tricker and another person. And so, you know, when I went into places with them, you know, people looked at me like, what, what, what's she doing in here? So I came back home and decided, OK, I'm going to act like a normal human being. OK, I'm going to open up a business. I'm going to spend time in America. And then I got my real introduction to Africa. I met African people and I liked what I saw. I liked the dress, the fact that 
all of Africa. That's when I learned that Africa had 55 countries and that there were choices. Everybody in Africa wasn't at war. And so my girlfriend and I decided that we were going to organize a tour to Africa. And we tried and nobody wanted to go. People mashed up their face. Africa, why you want to go there? Why don't you go to Jamaica? So we tried twice, it didn't work. But unfortunately my friend got sick and my friend died. And one day, my husband and I had opened a travel agency and um, a man walked in and told me that he was an African chief. And I was, yeah, like, right. And my name is Pocahontas. Now, what do, what, what do you want, you know? Um, but come to find out, um, he really was a chief. There was a tour going to Ghana um, with a group um, Bereshit Cultural Institute out of Mount Vernon, New York. So I joined them. I wouldn't take anybody with me because if things didn't go right, you know how we be. We want our money back. We'll be complaining. I said, well, let me go. Let me go by myself because if it don't work, I don't have to put up with nothing. So I went and like I said, I was royally pissed off, very surprised when I found Africa to be anything but what they told us it was. And I was like, whoa, this, this works. Time in the dungeons was another aspect that said to me, this is it. I'm out. I'm out. I couldn't wait to get back to America to tell my king, man, it's time to go. And he didn't think I, he didn't think I was crazy. You know, he was like, you know, you visited someplace, you love it, uh, you ready to move, okay? You ate some food in a strange place, you love it, now you come back, you want everybody to eat it, okay? <laughs> that, that kind of thing. But he was down, he went to Ghana on his own, I gave him a ticket for his birthday, I came back in September, and in December for his birthday, he went to Ghana. And came back a month later, said, get that pencil and that paper, baby, because we're getting ready to figure out how to get out of here. So that's how I wound up in Ghana. You know, I had good support from my king man. The rest of my family felt like I'd fallen out of my treehouse. They were like, whoa, she's mad. She want to go to Africa, blah, blah, blah. And even my mom's, my mom was like, you ain't no African Hands across her chest. And you don't Wait. know nobody in Africa. What you doing moving over there? How yeah, you right. <laughs> there you go. All you have to say is let's and you're gone. I don't know why you just can't sit still. I'm like, okay, I'll see y'all when I get back, if I get back. And so it's been um, since 1987 that I've been in Africa, that I've been in Ghana. And, um, you know, doing the things I do, I still suffer from what my family calls wanderlust. I still, <laughs> I still have, I still have to get up and go someday and go away sometime. But um, it's been good. Um, our objective, um, unfortunately, well, my husband and I were together for quite a while before he was killed. You know, he was killed by a hit and run driver in 2007. So, you know, time has gone by so fast, just like they say, the older you get, the faster the clock ticks. My clock goes tick. It used to go tick tock, tick tock, tick. And now it goes zip. I look up and say, well, is today Tuesday? And it said, no, Ma, today's Friday. And I'm wondering, where did Wednesday and Thursday go? And you haven't aged a bit. Well, that's what they tell me, you know. Um, the thing is that I don't think old. I mean, I know that I'm 79, so in all, you know, for whatever people think, 79 may be old. I don't know what 79 is supposed to feel like because I'm still having a good time. All my parts are working. 
Um, my teeth are mine. I don't put them in a jar. And, um, you know. <laughs> and I've seen you cut a rug. I've seen you dance with them young guys out there, too. Now. Oh, I had to set them youngsters down. And, and we didn't rehearse that. I saw them out there, you know, doing what they was doing. And I'm like, you know what? Let me go down here and show these guys something. Okay, these are professional dancers, too. I, so I just hit the floor running with them. Okay, just to, you know, get a little respect. And that's in Rwanda, right? That No, that was in Tanzania. That's in Tanzania. Okay. Yeah, because I was um, in a conference, and the, the conference was on art artistic forms and things like that. So my artistic form was peanut butter. So, you know, they had people that were singing, dancing, artists, um, all sorts of stuff. So I was that part to make people laugh. Okay. Well, you do an excellent job at that too. And you are, what well, what we did not add to your bio is the fact that you are a mother to many, a mother to many. Okay. We, yeah. we need to include that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll be everybody's mama, everybody's grandmama, That's everybody's right. great grandmama. You know, I talked, I talked to a little boy the other day, and um, you know, there had been I was interviewed in Rwanda um, on major, ma- major, I didn't know that major TV network followed our meeting with the Minister of Foreign Affairs who wanted to meet with diasporans who were in Rwanda. And it was like, I understand he didn't know that there was so many of us here. And so um, we met with him, which was a really interesting meeting, uh, fruitful. And, um, you know, somebody asked me, said, well, would you mind, could we interview you? And I was like, okay. All right. And so so as it turned out, they aired the entire interview, even the one about me trying to bribe the security man. (laughs) I didn't think they were going to do that. Of course, they're going to put that in there. I, I was only testing. I just wanted to see how true it was. You know, one thing that one of the other things I love about Rwanda is that um, there's zero tolerance for corruption. So in many of the places that I've been to, listen, you can, you know, you dash somebody something and get what you want. Whew, they wasn't having it. <laughs> I had to laugh. I said, you guys, really? Honestly? You know, I offered you money, you wouldn't take it. I gave you breakfast, you wouldn't. You still, I couldn't bribe you, you know, so. But they add that. I was, when somebody somebody called me, and told me about it because I never see myself on TV. I very, very seldom see myself on videos and things. So like somebody here told me they counted the videos that I appeared in on um, in YouTube and other media. And the guy said, do you know that you got 75 videos? And I'm like, really? I need to go take a look at some of that. Because honestly, I had never seen some of that. So I said, okay, I'll take a look. But I mean, I'm I don't I'm not telling no lies about nothing. And you know, I did one interview with some guy, oh, he was acting crazy. And I said, you know, what I talk about primarily is what I know and what I've lived. Okay. I can't tell you about what you've been doing. I can tell you about what I've been doing. And some of it has been you know, I, I really don't have any complaints. You know, when people ask me how I'm doing and I say, I'm fine, I have no complaints. I really don't have any complaints. You know, um, I, I enjoy the life that I'm living. Um, I'm not rich. I'm not financially rich, but I am rich. Okay. I do have a business in Ghana that's being run by my son, Anna Shabazz. And his family, and you know, I call family my staff. They're running the business, and um, I get to do what basically what I want to do. I mean, at this stage of my life, I've got more years behind me than I have in front of me, so I don't have any time to waste 
with nonsense. That's right, because this is only the beginning for you. This is just the beginning. In fact, I want to say that your 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 home there in Rwanda is just fabulous. It is just gorgeous. I love it. Can't wait to visit you there. And while we're speaking about Rwanda, let's talk about um, what it's like there, because we've got some, um, some questions that uh, mm-hmm. our listeners would like to know. Um, you know, what is it like in Rwanda? Um, how welcoming are they of diasporians in Rwanda? So those are two questions I'd like to ask you. Well, um, I'd have to say very welcoming. Um, we have been welcomed to Rwanda. People have been really very open and friendly and helpful. Um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the youngest person in the group that I'm affiliated with and that's, um, they're called Rich Hearts and they are all survivors of the genocide. And so um, the oldest one in our group, <clears throat> excuse me, is 37. That's the oldest one in the group. And I mean, they have a, a multiplicity of careers, okay? You know, you got people in the bank, you got people in IT, you got administrators, you got clerks, you got across the, across the board. And the thing that I, I really love about them um, is that since most of them, all of them are survivors of the genocide, they've lost their families. So what they've done is that they have come together. So you might have a family of 20 over here and two people have been identified as the mother and the father of that group. Then you have 10 people over here constituting a family. You might have 15 people. So that they have come forward after what they went through to form working sincere families, okay? And so um, when I came and wanted to do something, they introduced me to um, Gueru, which is a reconciliation village in the eastern region of Rwanda. And as a result of that, we've set up a business. We've set up a project because it's really... It's not an income producing business. It's a project to empower women who were who are survivors of the genocide. So my job basically was, you know, let me go back to Ghana and raise some money. So I was able to raise money to jumpstart the project. Okay, I was able to raise over twelve thousand dollars which enabled us to buy sewing machines and things that we needed. And the project is not just to teach women to sew, it's to empower women so that at the end of their training, they will know how to run their own business. Excuse me, how to be entrepreneurial. Um, There is also the infusion of a daycare center because, you know, they got children. Oh, so daycare. Um, the other thing is on health and nutrition. So there are various components to that. And right now we're in the process of trying to get additional funds. So what I was able to do was raise enough money to hire a grant writer. And now we're applying for a grant to continue our program. And um, so that was done with, I mean, like you said, I got, I'm mama to a whole lot of people. You know, my, my sons, Janvier, um, Bright, um, Dion, some of my sisters, you know, Imakule and others. They're just an amazing group of people. And I just love them and um, respect them. And for the help that they've given to manifest as someone that has lost so much, but is so willing to give, that's different. And they really taught me what forgiveness was really about. And when I asked them, I'm like, how could you forgive somebody that did all of these things? And their thing was, look, in order to move forward, we have to forgive. 
and move moving forward is what they've done. And so I just felt like I was really ready to be mad for somebody. But they were like, no, in order for us to move forward, um, we have to forgive. And we no longer consider ourselves Hootsies and Tootsies, but we consider ourselves to be Rwandans as one people. So that, that got my heart. So right now, this is my third visit. I've been here for almost a year. And um, <laughs> as my sister said, I'm a dirty old stay out. You don't know how to come home. I'm like, <laughs> I am home. You know, there's that scripture in the Bible, kind of modified by me, that says, in my father and mother's house. Well, it says in my father's house. I added mother, because y'all ain't in there by yourself, you understand? But in my mother and my father's house, there are many mansions. And um, so in those many mansions, I can have more than one. So my mansion is in Ghana. And my mansion number two is in Rwanda. And then mansion number three is in Tanzania. So, you know. So let's talk about. Let's talk about Rwanda. Um, some questions uh, I have and others uh, want to know, what is the cost of living there? Is it affordable? Uh, that's one of the other questions that our members are wanting to know, our listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say affordable, I mean, y'all are making it in America. Um, if you can make it in America, you can make it here in terms of you know, the, the dollar value in Rwanda is very close to, between the, the Rwandan franc and the U.S. dollar, okay? There's not a big gap, okay? Say, for example, for $100, uh, I get 96 point something Rwandan francs. Some things are expensive and some things aren't. Um, it's just like this lady that I met. She's retired um, she gets a social security check and her rent is $350 a month. Okay. For a beautiful place. Beautiful. Okay. So it depends on what you want. You definitely have to have something in your pocket because whether it be Rwanda or Ghana, Africa, they're not welfare states. And, you know, I've had, ministers, presidents to say, when we talk about our wanting to come home to Africa, and you know, the question is, well, well, what is it that Africa can do for me? And the thing is, the answers have been like, well, listen, we can't afford to take care of anybody else because we're already trying to take care of the people, our own people. What we're looking for, and to, yes, we want you to come, but we, we want you to come. We want you to be able to help. Okay. Um, we can't take care of anybody else because we have to take care of our own. And once again, depending on your own lifestyle and your po- how deep your pockets are makes a difference in terms of what your living conditions will be. Now, if I was living in America based on what I I get, because, well, I am retired, supposed to be, um, I'd be homeless. I, li- I literally would be homeless in America, okay? Um, so it's possible to be able to live good, okay? Rwanda is one of the easiest places that I know of, um, and I haven't been everywhere in the world, but I've been around, um, one of the easiest places to register your business, to do business. Rwanda's looking for people to come in to help to continue the development, um, to be contributors to Rwanda. Okay. And um, so more and more people escape. I call it a, an escape. When you get out of America, you are escaping looking for something better, okay? The great escape, 
That's what my husband and I had a sign up that said Project Exodus. We following Bob Molly's Exodus movement of the people, right? I'm out. So I always call it an escape, okay? And it's a going to something, escaping to something better. So that's how that's how Rwanda is. I mean, I got this beautiful apartment, and you would be really surprised at what I paid for being here. Okay. I mean, I ain't paying. It is nice. I mean, it is just nice. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. How'd you, you where you see a picture of my apartment? Oh, you must have seen unapologetic nomads. That's my family. <laughs> you show you showed me some of your house too, remember? When you Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Was that my other house or that was this is my third house? house. That one. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I have moved four times in less than a year. Okay. And not because I wanted to move. You know, the first move, COVID got me thrown out of my house. Okay. They put everybody out of there. They had to take everything. And then my next place, they put me in a hotel. And I stayed in a hotel for about three and a half weeks. And I was like, y'all have really been very good to me. I appreciate it. But I don't want to live in a hotel. So then I went to the other place. And then I was there until they came and told me that they made a mistake. And they rented me the apartment for six months, but the apartment was sold and the manager didn't know. So I had to move again. And so when I moved to this place, this was even the best. You know, I'm just like, okay, soon as I get back from my trip, okay, when I get back from Tanzania, I'll move. Okay, you'll just have to wait till I get back. So yeah, you could live, you could live well in Rwanda. Yes. What is the climate like in Rwanda? Uh, give us an idea of what's happening there uh, in the country. Economically, Rain. I mean, everything. Well, in terms of the, the weather is beautiful. I mean, early morning, it can be cold. Before noon, 11 o'clock is hot. When the sun goes down, it gets cool again. You know, the, the weather is, is conducive. There's no snow, okay? We don't get no snow. We don't get hurricanes, you know, but we, we do get rain, okay? And there's no water. There's no ocean. Yeah, you know, that, <laughs> that that's the only drawback that I have with Rwanda is that they don't have no ocean. That means I have to travel miles, miles to the border of Congo where the, the river, you know, there I can go in the water, but or a lake, but no ocean. That's that I miss that. So that's why when I was in Tanzania, I jumped into the Indian Ocean. It was wonderful, you know. But what was your other question about? Sure. So um, economics, uh, employment, what is that like there? And can we have some comparisons between uh, Ghana, Rwanda, some of the differences? Well, the difference, you know, looking at Rwanda, Rwanda is the kind of country that other African countries, including Ghana, could learn something from. Okay. Um, 60% of the parliament is female, okay? Um, government mandate, I understand, is that 35% of the workforce must be women. And you can see that when you go to construction sites and different places, women are in hard hats, women are mixing cement, women are farming, you name it, they're there, okay? Then uh, the streets are so clean that you can eat off of them. There's, you don't see garbage. You see people around, you know, the place looks like a garden, the entire country, you know, most of it. I travel from Kigali to the border of Congo, and I have to be very honest, I saw so... So little trash, 
And then they have a system whereby once a month, including the president, everybody is out cleaning their environment. And when, other than that month, you got people, you see people sweeping the streets, picking up trash, that's what they do. So it's, it's hard not to want to be in that kind of environment. Plus, from my understanding, and they convinced me after I tried to bribe these guys, I couldn't bribe them. So made me believe that um, there is zero tolerance for corruption. Now, I saw, I personally saw the president on nationwide TV fire three of his ministers for corruption. And after he fired them three, he said, I'm not finished. I got two more to get tomorrow. I was like, ooh, he is not kidding. Oh, wow. So they're not playing. That's that's good. Let's talk oh, a little bit about uh, housing there and uh, uh, diasporians there. What is it like for uh, for the diasporians there? Is there a large group there like it is in Ghana? The, oh, no, nowhere near what's in Ghana, because in Ghana, they say that there are between five and 7,000 of us. And I think that that number, <clears throat> excuse me, is probably factual in that um, since the year of return, more and more people have come to Ghana, okay? You've got about at least five or six different building projects going on. In fact, I did an interview with um, Nomad because people had wanted to know um, where, do, where do you go, who do you see, what kind of building is going on. So, and so there, I had researched and found at least six building and land projects. And um, I would say out of the six, I know, I personally know four or five of the six projects that are being that are going on. That's awesome. Okay. You know, Mama, you you have done a lot. You you are a pillar in the community for a lot of folk. How can people reach out to you to donate to you, um, to support you and your initiatives? And I'm gonna plug some of your information too. Well, <clears throat> there are a few ways, either through our bank account. I do have a bank account for our project here. Um, Western Union is another way. Um, I don't know about all them other things that they got going, like cash apps and all the rest of that stuff. Well, I'm going to um, plug some of your information really quick. And then if you have additional information to plug, um, please. And then help me with the pronunciation. Um, so, guys, you can, um, we're going to start with phone numbers. Uh, so two three three two zero seven five zero one two two one. It's a phone number you can contact Mama Amicus on. Another? No, at this time not. Um, that is my number when I'm in Ghana. Okay, okay, go ahead. So we have to specify these are Ghana numbers, like zero two set two plus two three three. Two seven 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 six five seven six eight. Okay, so that's a good one. That's that's a good Ghana number. Okay. Okay. Rwanda is plus two five zero seven eight eight six five nine one four eight. That's my. That's my Rwanda telephone number and WhatsApp. Okay. And then my email address is oneafrica, O-N-E, Africa with a C, underscore Ghana at yahoo.com. My website is www.oneafricahealthresort.com and tours, restaurant and tours, but right now it's under construction. So if you go there, you'll only get frustrated. 
I get frustrated when I go there, but we're working, we're, we're working on it. So if someone wants to, um, wants my bank information, um, they can get in touch with me through email and then I will give them the information for donating to the project. Okay, and then your YouTube is um, One Africa Ghana. Ghana. Mm-hmm. And they can also find you on Facebook. Um, I-M-A-H-K-U-S, that's Amicus, N-J-I-N-G-A, N-Jinga, Okofu, mm-hmm. O-K-O-F-O, One Africa. O-K-O-F-U. O-O-F-O-K-U. I apologize. And how do you pronounce that, Mama? Because you know I'm a little rusty with the language right now, but I'm going to be all right in a minute. Okofu. Imacus, Nzinga, Okofu, Ababio. Okay. So I said it right. I did pretty good. Yeah, you did all right. I learned a new language. I'm learning. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's cool. All right. So um, let's talk about, so we talked a little bit about the resort. We talked about your touring piece. Do you have anything coming up, any initiatives that you're working on right now? Well, I'm the vice president of the board of directors for the Acoma Academy of Arts and Sciences in Ghana. Okay. And um, once again, depending on what you want to donate to, if you send me via email, and tell me what where you want to put your money, I will give you that information. Okay. And so my other project, here I go again, is um, uh, intercultural women's dialogue. We're working on a project to um, to involve not just myself but all over Africa um, to abolish human trafficking. That's that's one of the other projects that I'm working on with um, men and women from all over the continent, you know, queen mothers, chiefs, lay people. So in fact, I've, I've got to go and do another Zoom at in about half an hour because um, we'll be online. And let me just I got all this stuff up in here. And sometimes what happens is that I suffer from CRS. Okay. So I'm going to let you and the listeners figure out what that means. Okay. There are times (laughs) when I don't remember everything. And so I call it CRS. So wait a minute. I want to find something to give you. Anyway, I can't find it. But anyway, it's a coalition of organizations and individuals against human trafficking and migrant smuggling. So that's that's another project, another program that, you know, I belong to. Oh, that's certainly that's certainly a, a great um, human rights initiative to bring up and, and support and, and fight against, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, when we're talking about social justice, we cannot negate and keep that and keep that out because human trafficking is a is a horrible thing. It's been going on for some time and we need to put an end to that. We need to put an end to that as we need to put an end to genocide. Uh, I love what the uh, the, uh, the Tutsis and Hutus have done by coming together as one people in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And we need to see that, um, you know, across the globe, you know, in Africa. Africa should and- be uh, a place mm-hmm. to, to welcome us home um, because Africa is home to some of us. Not all of us, but Africa is home to some of us and those that desire to come home. Uh, they should have that right to be able to come home without go, having to go through all the red tape. Because, see, mm-hmm. um, let me just say this also. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about good governance. And um, when you have good leadership in the country, um, that really makes a difference. And the other thing about people here 
is that they they love their president. They love their president because of what he has been able to manifest through the people, um, the things that are going on. So consequently, they love him. Um, When you look at 90% of the students that that leave leave Rwanda to study abroad, 90% of them come back. So that that must say something positive. Hell, I wouldn't return someplace if it was so bad. Okay. So that was just a sidebar. Sure. So finally, before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about citizenship, um, what that looks like now for us and um, obtaining land and housing. And we'll close with any final words you have. Well, um, if you're talking about citizenship in Ghana, um, citizenship has been granted to date to about 150, 160 people so far, um, 34 in 2016, which is when I got my citizenship. And then um, in 2019, another 125, 126 people got citizenship. And now there's still another 125, 126 people waiting to get their citizenship. Okay. Now, whether or not that's going to continue, you know, following that trend, I really can't say. But as far as citizenship and the law is concerned, it says that we must live in the country for seven years. And then we go through that whole process of getting citizenship. Now, whether or not that's going to change, whether that's going to be amended to for special circumstances for African children born in America or in the, in the diaspora returning home to the land of their ancestors, I really can't say. I don't know. And the people that I've spoken to, they don't know. Okay. Um, there are several ways, you know, they've got something called the right of abode. And I'll really keep my opinion to myself on that one, but um, it's there. Okay. Um, you got to live in Ghana for 10 years and there are a whole lot of other things that you have to do. But what I would suggest is that people go to the site, the immigration site, look at the immigration laws and see what it says. If you want to invest Look at the um, um, look at the see this is this is CRS okay I I, I can't remember right now what I wanted to say. So if you want to invest in the land if you invest, want to invest in the if you want to invest in the land, what you need to do is you need to be speaking to people one who have done what you're coming to do. You want to deal with reputable people. You don't just want to go someplace. You get a good friend. You think, oh, it's my good friend. He lives in the village. He got land and you get it. Okay. As it stands, according to the law, if you are not a citizen, unless it's some special arrangement, maybe based on the various building projects, normally um, you could lease the land for 50 years if you were not a citizen, but you had the first right of renewal or extension, okay? Only citizens, and, you know, don't nail me to the cross because things change from day to day. You had to be a citizen in order to, one, have land for 99 years, and two, in order to have dual citizenship, you have to be a Ghanaian first, you don't get dual citizenship without being a Ghanaian. Okay. Um, what I would not mind doing, if you'd like me to do it, is that I have a list of places and people that you can contact if you, if and when you're interested in repatriating to Ghana, that I would be glad to share with you. Absolutely. I, I can do that, yeah. All right. I would love that. If, 
And then what was the other question? Uh, I think we call it CES, right? Oh, CRS. <laughs> what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, you you're suffering from it too. Yes, ma'am, I am. Being in America, I tell you. But uh, so land, land ownership, citizenship, um, and what about going through estates? Because there are organizations that are helping people in the diaspora with buying land. Um, uh, so through an estate. That's the, that's the list that I'm going to provide sure. you with. Okay, beautiful, okay. perfect. So if we can set up something to do that then I would not mind sharing that information. I have telephone numbers, email addresses, and all the rest of that stuff. Well, you have my email address, and we will certainly be in touch. Um, I know you have some other obligations. So do you have any final words for our listeners um, that you'd like to say to them? I just want to say, again, I appreciate you so much for just being you and for being mama to uh, people like myself and others. Uh, that really honor and respect and admire you for everything that you have just started to begun doing. So I'm just uh, I'm just elated. I'm I'm so excited. Well, <clears throat> basically, you know, in closing, generally it's an opening. Um, first of all, I give all honor and praise and glory to our Mother, Father, Creator, and to the memory of our great African ancestors whose shoulders we stand upon and whose backs we lean upon, and whose shoulders have held us up until this day. If you're ready to make that move, you need to start planning. You need to have a plan. I mean, unless you got real deep pockets, then you can jump up and leave America and everything will be all right. But you need to plan. You need to visit. Look around and see, well, maybe God ain't the place you want to be. You might want to be someplace else. But you need to make a plan. And you need to take all of that excess stuff, because we do, I, I was guilty. I had more stuff than I needed, okay? So you don't need 10, 12 pair of sneakers. You don't need all of that stuff. So if you're serious about your repatriation, you need to start, one, downsizing, take all that excess stuff and turn it into cash, because that's what you're going to need, okay? And and be, and plan on what you want to do. You know, you want to visit, you want to talk to people who are doing what you're coming to do. Okay. And we have to move forward as a united front. Okay. If you, you know, if you can't deal with the lights going off and maybe the water ain't running and the roads ain't what you think it ought to be and all the rest of that stuff, and then you need to keep your buttocks in America or wherever it is that you are. Or have solutions. Or have solutions. The thing is that you're not coming to Africa to change the mindset of the people. We're coming to share, okay? Because it's not like, I listen to some people, I'm like, ah, you know, them Africans don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, who died and left you in charge, brother? Who made you the all in all? So it's a two-way street. We can learn from our, our brothers and sisters here. We can learn from them and they can learn from us. It's a give and a take and it's how we do it, okay? I've seen some people and they make me almost ashamed because people say, oh yeah, your people. My people, I'm an African who was born in America. I ain't carrying the rest of the world. I'm doing the best I can. So have a plan. Visit the country that you want to be in. Okay. And once again, talk to people who are doing what you're coming to do. For the past 30 years, Sister Amakas has worked within the Ghanaian community. One of her pet projects was the educational sponsorship program to unite diaspora African and Ghanaian families and raised funds to provide educational opportunities for less fortunate children from primary through senior high school. In addition to finding donors to install boreholes in villages that are without water, 
she has been setting examples for other Africans from the Americas and encouraging them to return home to their motherland, Africa. In October 2018, Amicus traveled to Rwanda for the first time and visited and partnered with Rich Hearts, an organization of young men and women who are survivors of the genocide, to foster and build a One Africa heart-to-heart relationship. And she is the author of a fantastic book, Returning Home Ain't Easy, But It Sure Is a Blessing, which chronicles her and her kingmen's sojourn and resettlement in Ghana, the land of their ancestors. A travel guide, points to ponder when considering repatriating home to Mother Africa to live or visit, and that's Africa with a K. She has also co-authored Ababio, He, She, Who Has Returned, a 21st century anthology of African diaspora returnees to Ghana. Her books are extraordinary manifestations of her personal experiences while demonstrating what it takes to settle and make Ghana your home. Amicus is a prolific writer, and her candid sense of humor makes for an admirable, enjoyable, yet serious and commendable read. A dynamic storyteller, Amicus stimulates your, your imagination as she takes you on her journey of repatriation to her ancestral homeland. Her writings breed an air of familiarity, instantly drawing you into her pulsating journeys. She is a public speaker and consultant who knows Ghana like the back of her hand, traveling extensively, covering other parts of Africa, gathering research material for future writings and tourism destinations, which impacts on the positive images of Africa today. So guys, I am just so excited and honored to have uh, Mama Amakas on our show today to share with you the story of her life, how what life has been like for her in Africa, the trials, the triumphs, some things that she personally had to endure. Sister Amakas has written articles and been interviewed by various magazines and newspapers, including, but not limited to, Essence Magazine, Cousins, People's Magazine, the New York Daily News, New Africa Magazine, is the black man's history being whitewashed, the Final Call newspaper, the Wall Street Journal, the Global Black Experience, WLIB, New York City, Roots, Reggae, and Kucha Publications, EscapeArtists.com, The Ghanaian Times, and now she appears on the Human Rights Radio and Kenya Speaks podcast. She has consulted, organized, and appeared in major documentaries and films with her husband, From Slavery to Hip Hop, and Andrea Williams' film, Visions of Africa by the American Broadcasting Company, known as ABC, Home to Ghana by the Australian Broadcasting Company, also by ABC, Visions of Africa, WFAA Channel 8 in Dallas, Texas, CAPA-TV, Paris, France, through the door of no return, a Mafidu Films by the producers of the film Sankofa, Victoria Wood Show, British Broadcasting Company, BBC, CNN's Anderson Cooper 360 during press, Obama visit to Ghana, an African American quest for authenticity and inspired film production and numerous other videos. When I say mama, Amicus has been doing her thing, family. She has been doing her thing. Uh, as I stated earlier, she's an asset to the community, and she, has, she is a living legend paving the way for others who are considering 
repatriating to Africa, who are considering visiting Africa, as mama likes to call it, Mother Africa. Sister Amica's has been an organized member of Juneteenth celebrations in America and Ghana since 1988. She holds memberships in the following organizations, patron of the Institute of Africology and the Africa Day Foundation of Durban, South Africa, member of the local organizing committee for Pan for Panifest since its inception. Vice President of the Board of the Akamo International Academy of Arts and Sciences, the African Women Intercultural Dialogue. When I say Mama Amakas has done a lot for our people, that is an understatement. That is an understatement to say that she has done a lot for our people. She has done more than enough for our people and have paved the way for her for many generations to come. Finally, any people you'd like to acknowledge, send special shouts out to, I know that one of your daughters, Dr. Sharita. That's my girl. Yes. <laughs> speaks well, well, let, me, let, let me tell you a real quick, quick yes. story. When, when Dr. Sharita would bring her children to Ghana, they always felt like, you know, they said, well, we're in Africa. And they said, no, they ain't. They didn't think they were in Africa until they got to one Africa. Now, when they got to one Africa, they were like, yeah, we're in Africa. Okay, but shout out to God, the list is so long. A few people, you know, there's Mama Zulu. There's all my sisters who are part of our group called Sister Loves, you know, Ajua and Sonia and my honorary. We got an honorary sister. His name is Byron. (laughs) You know. Uh, and we call him honorary sister because his wife don't go nowhere without him. Okay, so we had to take. I'm glad him. you cleared that up, Mama. Yeah, right. He's cool. <laughs> He's a cool brother. But whenever we travel, he goes along with us. Okay, which is which is wonderful. We love him. So you know, there's there's Rabbi Cohen, um, all my all my Richards people, um, my daughters my bio daughter, Michelle, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Um, I just, I love all y'all. My, my bone crusher, um, Dr. Gigi, she's my, chiro, she's my chiropractor. But yeah, you know, Javi here in Rwanda, Dion and all those guys. And, um, and definitely a shout out to um, Unapologetic Nomads, okay? That's my family. And, and for everybody that I know and love in Ghana, you know, Ghana, the U.S., my sister Tracy, there's a whole lot of them. You know, I'd be writing on this wall, that wall, the ceiling. You right. know. <laughs> Mama, as always, it is a divine pleasure and honor being in your midst. I certainly appreciate you. Uh, and all that you do. And uh, I look forward to the next time. Yes. And I'm sorry you had such a hard time tracking me down, you know, getting me to sit down and do this. But um, I thank you also very much. And you keep doing what you're doing so that you can bring all them wonderful ideas that you have into fruition. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I say Ashe, we'll be looking forward to that. So I say greetings and um, not goodbye, just so long until we meet again next time. Ashe? Ashe. Peace. Thank you. Blessings. Blessings.